Welcome to Jason and the Movie Knots. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm, I'm Paul Sean McCoy. <laughs> and, we should have practiced this. Yeah. And I'm Sean Hill, fan of all vampires, even sparkly ones. We are discussing uh, the last two parts of the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, part one and part two. Yeah, I, I like these more than I like the other three, actually, by a lot. And I was freaking shocked by that. <laughs> I should say up front, right? We're gonna we're gonna talk about the ending, especially to part two. So there are spoilers. So if you haven't seen these movies and you care enough to be spoiled, you probably should go watch them anyway. Okay. So that said, uh, yeah, like I, I wasn't expecting to like appreciate the fact they had more time to tell the story, but like I kind of liked how like part one takes its time to to build the story. And they, we get like a long, nice scene at the wedding, which I thought was actually pretty well acted and one of the most well-directed scenes in the whole series. Um, and the whole movie, uh, especially part one, kind of just felt that same way. We get a chance to like dwell in Bella's death and stuff. I agree. Uh, I was, again, like you said, very surprised that I enjoyed this as much as I did. Uh, that. And like, you're right, that wedding was really nicely done. Uh, there were lots of little, lots of little moments between characters that were, that rang really true and were emotional and just impressive. Uh, all the performances were really surprisingly good. These were the, were these the first two directed by Bill Condon? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, uh. The second one was direct, New Moon was directed by the guy who did Golden Compass. Who did the third one? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. I don't have that at my fingertips. But I feel like, you know, the way the whole series went, nobody really expected the first one to hit as big as it did. And so which, with each sequel, they got kind of more money and got to expand and elaborate. And then so Breaking Dawn is, is like the big budget epic finale, you know, over three years releasing it and all of that. And Condon is a, is a pretty gifted director. I mean, he's made some interesting movies. Yeah, seriously, very, very, very good movies. Third one was David Slade, by the way. The third okay. one? Yeah, who directed he, like 30 he, Days of Night. Yeah. Okay. He directed the Bandersnatch uh, episode of Black Mirror, which is pretty good. So that was like, that was the horror elements of that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this one was action and romance. Yeah, almost entirely split with romance in part one and action in part two. I, that's one of the things I was really surprised about part one is like, you know, they just took the whole movie to just explore the marriage, the honeymoon, and then the pregnancy. And it's like, there's no real vampire threat outside of just an existential vampire threat. And I was really impressed. Uh, and it's all about, you know, pregnancy fear, <laughs> which is something I really wasn't expecting. But, you know, that's probably because I'm not the target audience. 
we got to move away from the triangle too, which was getting really tiresome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so just well, focused on the couple and their future. They uh, found they found a new direction for the triangle, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. With with Ren Renesmee. Yeah. He can't have Bella, but he can have Bella part two. He can have the clone of Bella. Yeah, that's that's a really weird, that's a weird move. And, you know, Alice has that vision in part two where Renesmee has grown up and she's 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 married or dating Jacob. Yep. Literally bonds with her. He's going to protect her forever. And he's also destined to be her partner in life. That that has to be the most problematic relationship in this in this whole thing. I mean, people people complain about the romance between you know Edward and and Bella being you know bad, but holy crap, I you know that, that, if that's not grooming, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, did we we didn't have that word in the parlance as exactly much as, yeah. as we do now? It was that was yeah yeah that was weird. That was but it's weird. creepy. It's, it's super creepy. It's, creepy it's almost hell. as creepy as the fake baby. Yeah, which was disturbing. I mean, I I mean is is the in part 1 is this the worst CGI ever or the best CGI ever? Right? Like Bella becomes basically a mummy. Yeah, right? well, I was she shriveled like up yeah. into into death. That, I, yeah, I thought that was good CGI. When we see the scene of her and her legs are so tiny, you know, was, you know, she's she's completely uh, scrawny. I thought that was actually pretty well done. But like the wolves, for example, that were just pathetic. Worst CGI I've ever seen. Hmm. I didn't have a problem with the wolves. It was just that baby. That baby was just horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she completes the transformation right she fills out she's actually curvier than she ever was her hair's like real real housewives of las vegas hair (laughs) her lips are redder her eyes her complexion and they have all these scenes with her looking at herself in the mirror and other people looking at her like this like this was her destiny all along, the vampire version. Yeah, I mean, it makes you want to be one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd they like have the they body. have cool powers, and yeah, and she, you know, it's like the the question even then was like, what 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 is her agency, right? If she has this smell that triggers all vampires. If she's drawn to Edward, who knows he's bad for her, but can't help himself. And she's kind of clumsy and trips and falls and needs to be saved. And yet she also sort of only ever does what she wants to do. And she makes the vampires conform to her, to protecting her and keeping her safe. And ultimately becomes one of the strongest ones like she's stronger than um alec and who anna the two the two volturi with all the powers mm-hmm. yeah baby vamps man baby vamps that was something uh at uh, my girlfriend said it was like baby vamps all they want to do is fight and fuck 
<laughs> you gotta keep them under control. But, yeah, and, and like I said, I was I was really impressed with the first one. Uh, just just how much it was it it pulled back from the vampire horror and really was just like pregnancy anxiety that carried that whole thing. And then two part two suddenly it's a you know guest star power pack you know it's just <laughs> right. overwhelming with guest stars which i was really enjoying especially uh what's his name um lee pace lee pace was was fantastic in there yeah. i wanted to see more of him i'd totally forgotten he was in it <laughs> and uh rami malik is there yeah. Alex in there? Yeah. yeah, that was so that was yeah, exactly. This I was just like, oh, oh, yeah. Guys there who have gone on to bigger and better things. Well, if you think about it, like the cast in, in the fifth movie is incredible, right? Got Dakota Fanning, Michael Sheen, uh Pattinson and Stewart have been fan, done a lot of great work. Like, like this is kind of the A-list cast. And yet the mm -hmm. movie is not quite as good as it could be, right? I think it's because of the source material in part. Yeah, it, it's it slows down a bit too much in the gathering of of allies segment. So that like felt like it could have been like the Avengers. Mm -hmm. You know, we got all these super powered creatures gathering together. They're all played by these charismatic actors. You just almost feel the energy in the film building, and then they really kind of don't do that much with them all. Yeah. Well, I mean, the huge plot thing, right? The actual conflict, the battle to end it all is a bait and switch. It's all yeah. in Alice's mind. It actually didn't happen. Yeah, that, that was, that, I was a little stunned by that. Right. So while like, you're watching the movie, you're like, oh my God, look who just got killed. Look who's dying. Oh, how are they going to survive this? Yeah. finally gets the fate he deserves. Oh no. It was a dream sequence. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Herodal, again, showing up in this and like having like maybe two lines, but he got, I think he had the best moment in the whole series when they all came to kill him and he just spreads his arm and says, finally. <laughs> <laughs> and then they rip him to pieces. You, um, you're the one who made me recognize him and, and look into him, Paul. And mm -hmm. There's actually, I've been doing my research on YouTube all, all week, right? Like looking at the clips that people have bothered to set aside. Mm -hmm. And there's one that's like 20 minutes of Marcus not giving an F. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, you realize he has this whole through story. Whenever he shows up, he's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Kill me now. <laughs> Yes, exactly. He abused the character with that, with those few lines that he has. Yeah, he like almost has nothing to say, and and it's just perfect. There, there's one of the interrogation scenes where, like, I think in the when Bella and Edward go to the Volturi the first time, they're not even really supposed to be there. Like Alice brought them or something, right? Mm -hmm. And arrow plays with them and insults them and you know does all of his threatening crazy big eye thing <laughs> and marcus just goes let's be done with this <laughs> <laughs> and you're like wow yeah and then yep. his backstory he didn't want to be there arrow wouldn't let him go 
because he has a power too. He can sense anybody's emotional connection. Uh, okay. And See, so Arrow, never Arrow is collecting, collecting vampire Avengers, mm-hmm. whether they want it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh. he kills Arrow's mate. I mean, Marcus's mate, who is Arrow's own sister. Because her power is to make people feel pleasure. And that's, Arrow has no use for that. See, I would love to the see these stories. Book? I think it's from the book. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the okay. backstory in the book. Yeah, I'd like to but, see these stories too, Paul. But Heyerdahl actually knows knows all that he's playing all of that like he is Mm -hmm. utterly disgusted and reviles arrow in every scene they're in together but he can't help but do what he tells him to do Hmm. we just uh ann's been getting into uh, are you afraid of the dark she found a top 10 list of are you afraid of the dark episodes from nickelodeon back in the day and uh, we watched one last night about a, a movie theater with a, a guy shows up with a haunted movie and this Nosferatu that walks out of the screen and, and attacks people. And that was Heyerdahl. That was like his oh, wow. second film credit was playing uh-huh. Nosferatu. And we, we both just, you know, just squeed. It was, it was just, <laughs> ah, it's Heyerdahl. He's everywhere. And that was just random out of the blue. So yeah, he's he, he's he's made a career of playing vampires. <laughs> I mean, I guess he has the looks for yeah. it. I'm glad you put through. You kind of found that through line because I didn't pick up on that, but that makes so so much sense for the character. Kind of just just shows like there all these little bits of potential in the story that doesn't quite pay off. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean yeah, well. That, the the vulture you know the thing that, that is weird for me is like there there's an uncanny valley like not just with the baby but with the makeup and the design of like a lot of the characters mm-hmm. okay i see what you're saying what you're you saying know, like why do the vulturi all have long hair that they come back why do they all look like royal guard out of you know some disney mm-hmm. fantasy movie is does yeah, it make yeah. them scarier or does it make them ridiculous like i never know whether i should run or laugh at them i i, I just i saw them when they all show up and one of the things we were joking about was oh it's the black parade <laughs> you know, they're, they're all yeah. joining the black parade uh-huh yeah uh-huh. i was thinking yeah. where's their trombones and their flutes <laughs> right so and, it, yeah it's it's all just I mean, teen, the, teen girl fantasy and that's it's, one it's, of the that you're right or, or even older women. I have a lesbian yeah. couple who are friends who are huge on what's that band with the Black Parade? Uh. <laughs> oh, God. You had, to, you had to ask. Yeah. I could have told you if we hadn't, if you hadn't asked. Oh, no. Well, anyway, they <laughs> were into my the chemical whole romance. Thing. Yeah, my, my chemical, chemical romance. romance. Yeah. And yeah. Emo, emo in general. Mm hmm. And you know, I will say um, one of the one of the other positive aspects of the whole series were their soundtracks. Yeah, 
Yeah, we talked about that last time. Yeah. And yeah, the closing songs in both movies are spectacular. And they all were like top 10 best-selling soundtracks when they came out, like for each movie. Yeah, and no they, doubt. And a lot of, and they were well chosen. Like a lot of those artists, just like the actors, went on to further hits and still have careers that were in. A, I just, uh, I don't have all the soundtracks, but I think I have New Moon and watching all these youtube videos this week i decided to order eclipse as well hmm. and uh then the scores howard shore did one of the movies and alexandra desplat did another the one bill white's directed um, and carter burwell did and carter uh, burwell did all the rest yeah so was, the was, music was, was good. I mean, the music video component of the movies was was really on point. They got they got all of those. Somebody said something once, I think it was from New Moon. There's a scene with a song by Leaky Lee where oh. Bella stares out the window for four months, like she's oh, yeah, depressed. Yeah. And she and it's just you know, really, it's like three minutes of the film, but like you get that feeling from it because the video and the song and Bella are are all working together so well. Yeah, these these are these are nicely done. I mean, I I don't. And the only thing I can figure out about the the critical reception is just that you know, a bunch of old white dudes write these reviews and. Yeah, they just just don't get it. Well, we are old speaking white. Speaking as speaking as old white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, if you if you go into it wanting, you know, your vampire fantasy, you're not gonna get that. It's not for this, that's not who it's for. I mean, and that's again, that's why that's that's why we don't get the backstory for the Vachori, whatever they're called. <laughs> However you say that. And we don't get that backstory because that's not the that's not the focus. The focus is on their relationship and the the becoming of Bella. And don't, that's don't that's review the don't review the book you want it to be. Review the book that it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was wrestling with, right? Because there were so many ways. This, these movies have a tremendous potential, right? The cast, mm -hmm. the music. The soundtrack, uh, uh, the um, the settings, especially in the wedding scenes, are amazing, and yet it never quite comes together for me. But you're right; I'm not the target audience either. Yeah, I mean, this I is kept a seeing billion... these ways it could be better. I, I was kind of comparing it to like Endgame, and like, yeah, well, Endgame ha gave every character a, a little moment. And this movie kind of brings together all these characters from around the the world, and. Um, never gives them a big scene, right? We have the Amazonian people or Amazonian vampires, I should say, appearing as kind of a deus ex machina at the end of like, mm -hmm. wait, 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 what's going on? You have a composite vampire too. Where's the foreshadowing on this? Yeah, it, it's it's like it's it's like they they know that that male audience is wanting the big fight. They want the big battle, and even if it's bloodless, which is a weird thing for a vampire movie, but you know, I'm going with it. <laughs> you committed to it in the first movie. Yeah. Right? And so we get, we get the big battle, but then, you know, we get that switch. It, it is, it is a bait and switch, but, and I was frustrated by it 
but I get it. I understand it. And you, you pull all that back and it turns out it's not about the big fight. It's about understanding. It's about, you know, just basically coming to terms with each other, with the, the negative and the positive and the potential. Right. It's it, everything is a trial and the trial is happening right in real time with judges that can kill you if you piss them off. Mm -hmm. Right. But the Volturi at that end did not expect to have such opposition, like the Collins with all of their allies, mm -hmm. wolves and everything else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Alice was able to show him that, that, that they wouldn't win the fight necessarily, which I wrote, they can't put up, they can't, they're politicians. They can't have a fight they won't win. It's not worth the risk for them. Right. And I also think, you know, Jason, I think what you're missing, I mean, have you read any of the books? I have not. I think the, the way they filmed the movies was for people who had already read the books. Mm -hmm. So they I don't give you any of these backgrounds because you're just supposed to see, you know, Alice with her red eyes and her blonde hair and go, oh, I know what Alice is deal is like they just give you like this money shot and that's supposed to be enough over and over and over yeah and to paul's point i'm not the target audience anyway for this plus the fact these movies have made a billion dollars so i mean three, three billion almost it's almost three and a half billion so yeah. they, they've done many things right whereas uh, for in game right you've read all the comics you read them years ago we know we know those stories backwards and forwards and we're like Oh, that's when Starhawk first appeared. Right. I get, I remember that. I literally have a Starhawk drawing on my wall. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point, Sean. Part of it. The familiarity and the, the background in it. Yeah. And the success speaks volumes, right? Uh, um, it just, yeah, that. Actually, let me, let me go back to the bait and switch. So I was watching the, my daughter came in as, as I was watching the final movie um, and they were ramping up for the battle. And she's like, okay, dad, just wait. There's something that happens. And I want you to tell me how you feel afterwards. Right. And then <laughs> when we find out it's been a bait and switch, when we find out that it's all been kind of uh, it's all been uh, an imagined scene, I'd like almost jumped out of my seat and I was so excited. Because it was like, you've taken this completely unconventional plot twist here. Instead of, it, instead of having the battle happen, as happens in every single movie, right? We're so primed to have every action, every vampire, every zombie movie, and in this giant battle scene. We get the battle scene and then kind of a wave of the hands that's like, but that's not, that didn't actually happen. And I'm like, wow, this is like a different take on this. And to your point a minute ago, Sean, like I appreciate the fact that like these are people kind of coming to an epiphany in their minds about the ways to manage this change that's come to them. It, it's a lot deeper than just, you know, breaking people's femurs. This is actually breaking people's mindsets. And, and I actually find that really refreshing. Yep, I, I agree. I agree. And then we get, you know, then we get to flash forward and find out you know, Nessie and, and 
Tyler Lautner are dating. And then we have to cringe as it fades to black. <laughs> so I guess we're supposed to believe uh, he bonded with Bella because uh, because in some way she had the seed of the baby inside her. Is that how you read it? So well, the attraction he never really, from the very he never beginning. Really imprinted of, yeah. He didn't, he didn't imprint on her. And it wasn't until she became pregnant, I guess, that then he was able to give everything up and hang around all the time and be there. Uh, I think they, I think they they made a point of point mentioning that it was the baby who wanted him there, and that was why he was able why he stuck around the whole time. Uh, which didn't again, he, very didn't creepy. Did he initially want to kill the baby to save Bella? Like he was not in favor of the pregnancy at all. Yeah, because he, he thought it was going to kill her. He thought it was going to kill her. Yeah. And in getting close to the prescient baby who had thoughts in the womb, he realized the baby was, you know, something he was interested in and, and attracted to, I guess. I guess. I mean that bond, <laughs> that that in, imprint, imprinting, right? That that's presented as a completely instinctual animal thing, like a like right. a mother duck with her ducklings, sort. Right. It's of. not and necessarily romantic. It's a. It's not at first romantic. He just becomes her guardian and protector forevermore, instantly. It's like a dog bonding to a person. Yeah. Right. Because they are wolves, right? They are they are packed rats. They are bonded. Um, are we to believe the the connection transferred from Bella to the baby? That Renesmi, I, I didn't get how it transitioned, I guess is the only thing I get hung up on. Plus the fact yeah. it's a little creepy, but uh, I, I think I've I said that five I, times now. Like I said, I, don't, I, I think he didn't actually imprint on Bella. He just wanted Bella. He's just kind of obsessed with her. Yeah. I, I think he kept trying to imprint on yeah. Bella. And he, wanted, oh, he, had, he wanted She that and happen. Edward kept blocking it. It could okay. be. But nobody was in control of what Renesme was doing. Like Bella was out of her element too. Mm -hmm. And Renesme's like, oh, nice puppy. I like yeah. it. <laughs> <Give me> uh <-huh>. And you don't really tell Renesme no, right? From from creepy baby on, she's a very commanding presence who does her own thing. Was was there an? And this is kind of going off on a little different direction. But is there a reason that they CG'd her face when she was a child too? Until the end, until they got to the end, is like maybe there was a younger child who maybe couldn't wear the contact lenses or something. Uh, because even when she, when she's smaller, they're still doing the CG on her face that was making it very unnerving to look at. Is, did anybody know if there's a reason for that? Because they stop halfway through the, the movie. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't either. It but was just disconcerting. I, I think there's something about, you know, how completely over the top the CGI was on Bella's transformation. I think they really wanted to visually connect Renesmee to her mother. Could be, could be. 
So, and I think, I think somebody liked that living doll quality that she had, mm. you know, until the uh, child actress could, could take over. It was a, it was a weird decision. It is. Right? I also, I, that there's a thing at the end there that I happened that I didn't, didn't register when it happened, but when Bella, it, it's like the last, very last bit where Bella you know shows all of her memories of she and edward together to edward i didn't realize that was her letting down her shield for the first time and that was the first time he was able to actually see her mind and that was nice in in retrospect that you know i that that's a really wonderful bit that i just went over my head in the, in the when i was actually watching it but that was nice it was very it made me happy <laughs> yeah well that you know that's edward's gift like his telepathy that's his gift yeah but he, he had never been able to read her mind even while she was human he couldn't read her mind i know right and that was that was the i guess part of the attraction and the mystery of bella and uh <clears throat> yeah so if if he was ever going to read her mind she had to consciously let him mm-hmm yep then, and he read Renesse, he heard Renesmee's thoughts before she was born. And that's when he started bonding with his daughter. Right, right. He's like, yeah. oh, there's a little entity in there. I can hear her. So, and that's why Arrow was so interested in Edward all the time. Because Edward apparently, like that, that psychic gift of his would have been very useful to Arrow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not all the vampires had it. I like the fact too that's like them settling to their marriage all the crisis has passed they get time alone away from family and this is when they are finally having a chance to get to another level as a couple it was it does give it a nice sense of closure from being mysteries to each other at the in the first movie to being like completely like like a couple who's now going to be able to spend eternity together because they have no secrets it's a sweet ending you're right paul mm -hmm. And what a fantasy, happy, happy fairy tale ending too. Like exactly, there, <laughs> the there's flowers. like four different songs that are played <laughs> that say forever, forever, forever. Because yep. now that she's immortal too, what's gonna stop her? Right? She's immortal too. They're both super powered vamps. They're vegetarian vamps, so they're the good guys compared to the Volturi. And they have this not quite nuclear family. There's a, a summary of the movie on Wikipedia actually said, um, so Bella and Edward form a foursome with Jacob and Renesmee. Hmm. like a foursome that's not good wording it's not word yeah that's best yeah. very bad wording <laughs> you know, okay. but it means that their their family unit is like the first generation and the second generation sort of with jacob kind of switch hitting or whatever yeah <laughs> again i don't know about the wordings <laughs> it's like uh it's like wuthering heights right wuthering heights has heathcliff yeah. and ha kathy and then it has Kathy's daughter and another guy that actually mm -hmm. fulfill the end of the story. Yeah. 
there's yeah. there's definitely like Stephanie Meyer is drawing on all of these precedents and putting them together in her own way. <laughs> yeah, Nick, it's like the yeah. Batman family, or it's like the, the new <laughs> yeah. Superman. <laughs> yeah, I really don't want to read the books. This, this is kind of making me want to read the books a little bit just to get all the backstory, but I really don't want to sit down and and do that. I've got too many other things I want to read that I, that won't embarrass me in public. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have like a book jacket over it if you. Yeah, right? yeah. Is, is Anne no, going to mock you if you? This, this is the out? Necroscope series. What are you talking about? <laughs> and it's like, you, bitch, you're reading Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to shame you at this point, Paul? That's true. I, I don't really have a whole lot of shame left. <laughs> I mean, the soccer moms will be right on your side. They'll mm, be that's happy. true. That's that true. Maybe you'll make some new friends. Yeah. The majesty. <laughs> All of my, I can't, I can't say country because it's upstate New York, but all my upstate New York relatives read them all, went to all the movies, had viewing parties, <laughs> were so into it. Who yeah, do you I... think, both of you guys, gives the best performance in the film? What are some of the actors that really came off the best out of these two movies? Now that the characters are all established and you're seeing sort of their final events. I, I was really impressed with Kristen Stewart. I mean, I, I all, all I've ever heard about her while these movies were out was just how horrible she was. She won a golden raspberry or whatever for the last movie, uh, which it, it, it like almost swept the golden raspberries that year. Taylor Lautner won for worst supporting actor. Uh, <laughs> she got worst actress. Pattinson was nominated. It got worst picture. Uh, it, it's just crazy. And then at the same time, the Teen Choice Awards, all the Kids Choice Awards on Nickelodeon, Movie Phone, MTV Awards, it's, it won all of those. Right, right. It's super, just, super popular. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it's just, and, but who doesn't like it? The, you know, mainstream, whoever does the Golden Raspberries. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it was really amazing and and i thought she was really good especially through the part one i mean she had did all the heavy lifting in part one and i mean edward he's barely i mean he barely has to do anything in either of these movies you know it, it's really all focusing on her and her just centering she's the center of all of it and and i think she did a great job There's we so always many... go ahead Sorry. We always sort of see him from her point of view. You know? yeah. He's objectified every bit as much as she is. Mm -hmm. And so we're always like looking at Edward, but he's not the most active of characters. But she is really kind of, um, she is active. She's a force that changes everything in this film. And we really see her. Uh, we see everything. Yeah, you, I, I like how you say we see everything through Bella's eyes. I think that's literally true. Like in the scene in the wedding, where they're the the that spins around and all the chairs are empty, 
because all that matters is the couple together. And you can tell this is Bella's vision at that moment of her and Edward together. Um, and then we get it a little further on when we see her confusion when they go to Rio and you just feel like she's a little lost in the city too. She doesn't quite know what's happening. Edward's bringing her along uh, um, on that boat and she looks confused. And then they get in the house and she looks both comfortable and a little out of sorts uh, um, while they're honeymooning too, right? We see her, uh, we see their wedding night through her eyes. I mean, everything really is through her eyes. And then when she kind of starts falling apart as uh, the pregnancy goes bad for her, then she really becomes the center of things and her wasting isn't just the CGI of, you know, her extremely thin legs and stuff. It's also this kind of battering that she seems to be dealing with mentally. And yeah, I agree, Paul. I think her performance is uh, actually quite a bit more, quite a bit better than I initially thought it was. Uh, and I think the reason why people that complain about it is, as you were saying earlier, it's like, the middle-aged white male gatekeepers. You know, I, I, it's not a film festival movie. It's um, you, Sean? It's the well. I mean, I agree with Jason, but I I, I think it falls into that. You know, I I think the middle-aged white men gatekeepers just don't like genre films and don't like horror movies and have a hard time taking them seriously. But even horror fans don't, you know, they, this is, you know, Twilight is an affront. Sparkly right. vampires, you know. That's, that's true too. That's true too. It, 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 it is in bad taste, <laughs> right? The whole series you, your taste level has to go out the window because it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like the, the, the mixing of romance novel and vampire, it's not even like the classy veneer of like interview with the vampire or the vampire Lestat, right? Where at least we have historical accuracy to some extent and mm -hmm. 19th century this and Roman that. Or... <laughs> You know, uh, just to interrupt you for just a second there, they also, though, they dig deep into the vampire lore now and in the interview with the vampire stuff. And it, it is really focused on exploring that history of the vampires, which they just sidestep completely in, in the Twilight movies. But, so that I can see I can see where that 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 becomes a conflict there, too. But I'm sorry, I interrupted. Right. Well, yeah. In in the Anne Rice stuff, they, she's always about explaining where they come from. Right. Mm -hmm. From Akasha, from Egypt, from I, I, Isis and Osiris, apparently, more or less. Mm -hmm. And and so, how that filters down through the ages, and each of her vampires is a way for her to explore a different period of time, like right. ancient Rome and Renaissance Italy, and etc. And Stephanie Meyer is not, you know, it's it it's more like a Fabio book cover, right? <laughs> it's like, except she liked a sparkly, thin, skinny guy Fabio. instead of a big muscle, <laughs> muscular Tarzan blonde. Mm -hmm. And then all of the Mormon sides of it, right? The concerns with like marriage and pregnancy and 
fidelity and loyalty and sacrifice for your children. Yeah. Yeah. They That's made, a they very made... uneasy fit for a lot of people. Right. Yeah, like, it, was, yeah. it was really, it was, it was almost distracting how often they make sure you get that wedding ring in the shot whenever anything Ex happens. Exactly. Yeah. All exactly. grafted onto it. Uh, right. The, the whole question isn't, you know, who's going to get Bella pregnant and who's she going to sleep with? It's, is she going to marry Edward or Jacob? Because whichever one, it has to be a lifelong commitment. Right. Right. And you know, she's going to have seven kids with them eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to get back for a second to uh, the point about history, because this is a movie that's not about history. It's a historical. And I think that also makes sense because when you're the age that Bella is, you don't really pay that much attention to the history of things. You're in the present day. You may have your family history, um, but really you're only concerned with the here and now. You're only concerned with kind of the next day, who's, who's talking about you, what's going on in your life, this romance that's sweeping you away, this transcending time, right? I think it's the nature of a movie like this, the nature of a world like Bella Creed, to be kind of about not knowing where, where you know the grandparents came from, and instead just living your current life without mm -hmm. really being concerned with that. I think that's why Lee Pace stands out so much because he's mm -hmm. steeped in a history. He's got historical baggage galore, and it just you know it's it, immediately he's got depth and he's got this yeah. anger and and. I just wanted to see more, more of stuff like that. But well, what happens when you get married, you start to learn more about your family's history. It's, it's literally mm -hmm. a moment for when you're passing from your childhood into a larger world. Right. right. And so uh, Lee Pace is the perfect kind of character to bring on at that point to, to start to add context. Oh. And who were the, the two oldest vampires, the ones who really wanted to take the Vulturi down? Uh, they had been, I can't remember, I don't know who played them, they, but they were interesting characters. They were like your, your classic blah, blah vampires. <laughs> you know? it's, like, it's like you get a little bit of everything in that, in that final group. Yeah. The, the, the really blonde guy and the dark haired guy yeah, that was yeah. kind of a team together. Right. Who, who, who yeah, and the, uh, is it Romanian or whatever? The the family of blonde women that the that hated Aro. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like that one woman, um not Irina, but the other one. Irina was sort of she's the one who reported Renezme and got the Cullens in trouble for having an immortal baby. Right. Which they didn't. And that was the whole negotiation was to figure out that she wasn't an immortal baby and thus not an abomination. And but her family had all been wiped out by Arrow years ago. And in the fantasy battle, one of them rips Caius's head off of his jaw, right? Yeah, that was, was very nice. And she was just like, <laughs> She looked like Debbie Harry finally getting her revenge on some other punk band. Or she's just like, <laughs> it's over, dude. I win. Blondie is the best band. Thank you. <laughs> Take that, David Byrne. <laughs> like, it was cool. It was a cool execution. Yep. So, yeah. yeah and, I mean, the whole Cullen family, right? I, they're, they're, they only date back, like, to 
cowboy days, like most of them are 19th century, whereas all the Europeans go back to the Renaissance or whenever, mm -hmm. and some of them maybe to Rome. But we don't get all of that, maybe because, as Jason says, Bella doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> to her, yeah. they're just antagonists who need to stay out of her business. But it does, it, and they, it does do a nice job of expanding on on everything we'd seen before. We, I mean, we hadn't really seen anything but the Collins and the uh, Volturi. So it was nice to see that there is a larger world out there, and I'm really amazed that they haven't tapped into that to do other stuff. I'm stunned that right? they've been able to hold off on that. Right, this could really be the uh, Twilight Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. So, amongst the villains, who's the best performance? Oh God, Michael Sheen. Uh, really? <laughs> I got to go with Michael Sheen too. So his his choices in playing Arrow work for you. He's scary as hell. He's just a lunatic. Yeah, and just that when he when he laughs, it's just so fucking great. It's just eyes bulging <laughs> it's just a cackle i loved it yeah, <laughs> he just chews the scenery so beautifully mm -hmm. he's obviously having so much fun and like he's, i said hair doll just for yeah, right this the sitting there and just letting everything happen some of the others were were pretty flat for me like you know, they were just kind of young, pretty actors. They didn't really add anything to what they were. But a few of them stood out. But yeah, he's very memorable. I will give you that. Yeah, the, yeah. like I said, Lee Pace is probably the only other one that really jumped out in that whole group. And I don't even I don't even know the name of whoever it was that the blonde who showed up and was just like, I'll be in the attic and, you know, just doesn't really do anything. Yeah. He's apparently some sort of special character, but he doesn't do anything and you don't really get anything from him. I was expecting more from him, but I don't even know what his name is. I don't even know how to look him up. <laughs> the brooding guy. Yeah. It's another one I just figured in the book. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Damn it. They're going to make me read this, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to live with the mysteries just because I have some live <laughs> just live with the mystery. <laughs> well, one of the behind the scenes videos I was watching was like filming one of those confrontations in the Volturi throne room. And Michael Sheen was like, he said, you know, that he had talked to Stephanie Meyer and he's like, he's trying to get her to, to write an arrow book or movie, <laughs> a book that could then be turned into a movie. And because uh, he would love to play play more of Arrow. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, he's, that a, would he's be a fun. He's That'd a working fun. actor too. But, you know, <laughs> all of the things come from her books. So, hat ha, has she written any more books or not? She's sort of gone in different directions with her writing. I have no idea. I was just about to look her up. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're they're waiting for her if if they're going to expand that universe because she was so involved with all of these movies right they didn't take the property away from her they collaborated with her and she right. approved what was made hmm. 
you know, in a way that like Anne Rice never got that kind of approval. Like they took those movies right. and they went through the whole Hollywood boondoggle until well, they got made. That's right. She did just do, well, she did write Midnight Sun, which is the story from Edward's viewpoint, right? I had no idea. I'm just, I just pulled her up just now on, on the internet. I guess so. Yeah. It just came out last year or two years ago now. Um, but it really is basically the same story. Just That's so eyes. It's enormous to 658 pages. <laughs> That's just she bizarre. Hasn't really expanded, which is surprising to me, right? I mean, she had the, she could have the chance to have a Stephen King-like career where, you know, she'll have the cult of a million people following her for the rest of her life. Yeah, well, I mean, the Anne Rice is the model there. I mean, you know, yeah. she branched out and did all kinds of different stuff that tied it all together into one one universe. Of course, huh. if you have the kind of money that she's probably made from Twilight, that's true. How much do you really need to do? That's always that's my question true. too. Like, what does she need to do? She owes us this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a lot more like um, J.K. Rowling, I think. Yeah. Uh, right yeah. after you do Harry Potter, you know, you can try to keep doing fantastic. Like she's trying to become a screenwriter and and write the Fantastic Beast movies for film. And they're very uneven and not as good. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. They're getting worse and worse from one to the next. Okay. I, I'm going to go see the third one, but the second one, the only good thing was that Zoe Kravitz was in a lot of it. Hmm. Apparently she gets third. this horrible story as like, you know, an unfortunately doomed mixed race character. And I mean, all of Rowling's kind of preconceptions like are appearing more and more instead of less and less. And I, Stephanie Meyer at least hasn't like ruined her reputation with her public po politics. <laughs> yeah. As far as I know, I mean, they're just under the covers, though. You know, <laughs> there's no questions about her politics, really, I think. Yeah. Uh, she she does from just from glancing over the, the her Wikipedia page, it, she does seem to be trying to branch out a little bit and trying to. She has a production company, is trying to get a couple of TV shows started, but none of that's worked out. Her she wrote an adult science fiction novel, The Host, in two thousand eight, and that was turned into a movie that I never even that didn't even realize it was a movie but it flopped and nobody's liked it so i don't know she might end up coming back and expanding some of that if she's if she's interested in history you know maybe she's not maybe she just wants to focus on that the relationship stuff i mean if going back and the only thing she's done with it is to tell the same story again from edward's perspective that that kind of doesn't show a an impulse to expand the world well, host, with all of those got a pages, 2.4 stars on, on uh, Letterbox, by the way. Hmm. With all of those pages, though, she's probably expanded his history. Probably. Like there's the backstory that, you know, you don't get in the films. Yeah. yeah but I, this, those aren't the stories I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
give me my things give me what i want <laughs> it's always the thing right as a fan of anything like it's mm. give me more what i want don't give me something different well give me the stuff you want to do <laughs> unless i really really like it in which case <laughs> i'll be your fan forever now we're talking about american comics <laughs> this is why twenty thousand people buy spider-man each month well only twenty thousand i think it's down by something like that anyway yeah at least we had yeah um but no uh i, I want to visit brazil too <laughs> when they showed the statue of of jesus at rio i was like oh my god we're getting out of the forest we're gonna see another part of the world and like that's also one of the things i enjoyed about these these two movies they do world hop a bit we get real yeah. locations we get characters who, who are like inhabiting other places. It, it does do a nice job of expanding the world, literally, and giving yeah. us more context around these characters. It's more like postcards, though. I wanted, I want stories. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted, a, I want the uh, Arabian vampires and the, and the all over the world. And the thing is, like, there's so much potential there too, since every culture has its own vampire legend. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's just so much potential for more. And, uh, and 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 it's so weird to be sitting here and saying out loud, I want more of the Twilight Saga. <laughs> I want it expanded and bigger. <sighs> Who am I? What happened to me? Where, where have I gone? Well, you, you, you introduced crack to your life and now you... <laughs> I mean, she had to expand her own perspective. Yeah, you know, she, yeah. And and part of it is that that midwestern, northwest. Oh, you know that's true. And the whole Mormon thing is gonna hamper exploring tales from you know other parts of the world. You you can't really tell a story of you know the the Arabian vampires. And their lusty violence, whatever's happened in their past, if you can't have any premarital sex and no drinking and all of that sort sort of stuff, so that's probably is why that 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 probably is why she hasn't really expanded it. Hmm. She needs yeah, to actually, market that. Just just you know, hire people to write these stories. Right. You could do the expanded ver universe with yeah. with different authors. If that people are interested enough to go into it, like, like the Star Wars universe or whatever, mm -hmm. I mean, that seems to be endlessly fertile for a variety of collaborators. So much so that we've had things that bounce in and out of canon when new things show up. Mm -hmm. But I mean, look, look at the posters behind Jason's head, <laughs> right? <laughs> What is what's got all five movies in common? It's yeah. the love story and the triangle. That's true. And those charismatic stars that really we have to give them credit for carrying the series as far as they did. Yeah, that's true. If we have, if we go off in other directions like that, is it really Twilight? You know, yes. what, what makes it a Twilight world? Right. 
It's yeah, really that, about Bella becoming a vampire, the whole thing. Holy crap. She's just written it all into a corner and there's no way of expanding it. And that and that's why but, that's I mean, I mean, but five books or four books, that's a lot, of, that's a lot of pages. Yeah. I'm actually kind of curious who Bella is 20 years on, though. Yeah. And that's something I would really enjoy and appreciate. You know, does she have kids? Are they are they fighting new, a new generation of battles? Are they rebelling against her because um, you know mom is doing things the old way? You know, I think there's a lot of potential in that that this kind of intergenerational vampire story uh, because they they do a lot of stuff around she's newly turned right, mm-hmm. so she's different. But is she? How does she relate to? How does she relate to Renesmee? You know, how has her how has her relationship with Edward changed? Uh, yeah, I, I think there's something interesting in that. Maybe yeah. we have to hope that Stephanie will agree with you in like ten years, <laughs> and, and then, try to figure it out herself. And then maybe there's a different threat in the world, a different su- set of supernatural creatures, you know, uh, or I don't know. See, see this is this here. is us. This this is you know this is us going. How can we make this more actiony <laughs> and build some more adventure? And yeah, it's it's that I really don't think she has any interest in it. Yeah, that's so crazy. I mean, every t- I mean, I I haven't written a whole lot, but everything that I that I've written, short stories and things they're all you know i want to expand that i want to take those characters and do more stuff with them almost every single time i've written anything and i just i can't imagine writing myself into it into a corner like that where I, there's just not really any way that i can expand it that's going to go against you know that's not going to go against my my personal beliefs so weird have you guys read or watched Discovery of Witches? Uh, I've watched some no. of it. I haven't. So that author, right, is is a Yale historian. Uh-huh. You can and you can kind of tell that. It's a trilogy. So the first book is your gifted uh, witch who doesn't know her full powers, who attracts a vampire, and she's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it does all the romance novel stuff, but it does it with an awareness of European history that's very advanced. Mm-hmm. And then the second book, just to prove that, they go back to the Elizabethan era through time travel. And she has to live as a woman with a vampire who was alive then, who's now her partner, and get involved with like Christopher Marlowe and Queen Elizabeth and all this mm-hmm. stuff accurately. And then the third book, she sort of comes in, she comes back to the present, back to her full powers, and she forges an alliance between the witches, the vampires, and the demons. Those are the three non human supernatural groups that have always been isolated from each other, but she's the person to bring them together. So you could have a lot of stories with just the vampires or just the witches 
or just the demons. The demons in this world look like normal humans, but have altered perceptions and intuitive psychic abilities and insights. Mm -hmm. They're sort of like the creative geniuses or the idiot savants, mm -hmm. all of them, but they're not fully human. They have different DNA. And instead, what does she do for the one sequel that comes out after the three books? focuses on a vampire from the uh, Revolutionary War era, like one of the least interesting of all of her characters, and that's what the fourth book is. So I, I, think, I think we're often going to be disappointed by where the fantasy authors choose to go with their follow-ups. Yeah. I guess I have to go back to Anne Rice, just read her weird, crazy tangents. Yeah, I mean, she did try to, she did pick, a, write a book for each vampire eventually. Yeah. Pandora and uh, Marcus and, yeah. But quality-wise, you know, the, they yeah. kind of plummet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is what usually seems to happen, yeah. So sad. Well, <laughs> I think we... I think we're ready for a, a rating. Why don't we rate the yeah, five rate movies it. in in terms of our most to least favorite? Hmm. Um, and since I asked the question, I've obviously been thinking about it. Um, <laughs> you have to go first. I think I like Breaking Dawn part one the most. I liked how it took its time and um, showed us all these changes in Bel from Bella's viewpoint. And really, it was a real feeling of the, the plot progressing. Uh, I didn't think the cliffhanger was especially great, but since it was exactly what I was expecting the entire time, uh, but I thought, it was a, I thought it was a surprisingly entertaining movie. Um, I put the second or the first movie as number two when, when uh, they first meet. I was actually really compelled by the story at the very beginning and curious about how this would grow. It went in ways I didn't expect, but that's fine. Uh, and then I'd rate the final movie as my third favorite, since we get so much good acting and so much compelling uh, adventure. And then I guess the second movie, um, because I just really disliked the third movie very much since it just seemed like it was spinning its wheels, not getting anywhere. And I started hating the characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree. I think I would probably swip, swap the first movie with uh, uh, Breaking Dawn part two and go Breaking Dawn one, Breaking Dawn two, first movie, second movie, third movie. Yeah. I would pick New Moon first. Oh. I thought that was the one that like really built. I was compelled by the first movie, but it has a lot of awkward teenage stuff. And Bella's family, like her dad, I like her dad, but the way he's written, you know, it, it feels very cliched. Mm. And He's, he happens to be the cop in the town, but he never takes care of anything or figures out what's really happening. Yeah. Um, 
So I like New Moon. I thought it was the most romantic one, actually, when they're really getting close. And then I would say I also hated Eclipse. I'm really team Edward. I'm not team Jacob at all. And yeah, he did win best shirtless performance from MTV uh, for <laughs> the final movie. Yes, I mean, we can talk about the great success that uh, Kristen and Robert have gone on to, but Taylor yeah. did yeah. not accompany them. And uh, But he's got the best abs of them all. And he did that to keep the part. They were going to recast it. Yeah. And he's like, no, I can go to the gym. And good for him, but I hope the I hope the royalties are good. <laughs> uh, and then I don't know. I think I like Breaking Part Two better just because of the action, etc. And then uh, and then Breaking One because of B Bella's horrifying but fascinating vampire transformation. So two so new moon then breaking two then breaking one for me and i don't like eclipse and i can take or leave the first one is is new moon the one where they have the baseball game well, that's in the, the first one twilight yeah that's the first one that was in the first one I did rewatch that scene and I have rethought my aversion to the baseball game. <laughs> it was a pretty entertaining sequence, especially when uh, the redhead vamp shows up and tries to start trouble. Yeah. Right. That they had a great entrance. Those Laurent was uh, the black man. And then the blonde guy and the redhead were just like visual they just kind of stride in and take over. And you're like, oh, other vampires are creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was, and they can only play when it's a rainstorm because they're so powerful, they would attract attention, cracking the bats against yeah. the balls. <laughs> yeah. And flying up in the trees to catch them. Just so and, clever. And, Edward even says, she's like, baseball for vampires? And he's like, it's the American pastime. Because <laughs> they're American vamps. Okay. Yeah. And that's also what, where the Native American wolves come in too, right? She is dealing with her Midwestern world. It's just apparently if you're a Native American werewolf, you don't wear shirts. And there's Just only George. one female werewolf. All of the rest of them are male. Right. And that's Actually, weird. Yeah. That's if it's a family trait, why is it only the men? Yeah. That, yeah, there's there's some weird stuff going on with the whole werewolf stuff. There's there's some there's some troublesome uh racial stereotypes going on that made made all of the werewolf stuff uncomfortable. but employed a lot of actors who were happy for the role. True, true. <laughs> including some very established native actors, you know, mm -hmm. who've been in many films. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you don't turn green. down a franchise if a franchise comes knocking. Exactly. 
Uh, that makes it made me wonder how many people were like really looking forward to t- getting those jobs in the final movie. Like, you know, hey, yeah, give me a Twilight check. And Lee Pace doesn't have to work f- as hard for a while now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've like Graham Greene and everything I've seen him in. And yeah, you know, he, yeah, Graham Greene's fine. And Lee, Lee Pace is, he's a science fiction all-star, really. Yeah. yeah. Right. Doing Foundation, doing Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I always forget he was in Lord of the Rings. You cannot forget, uh, oh, Thranduil. What, the Legolas's evil dad. Yeah. He's like one of my favorite elves because he's such a bitch. Yeah, I probably haven't seen that in 20 years, any of them. I should rewatch that. I was thinking of Ronan the Accuser, too, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and going He's back the to Pushing Daisies. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's why my daughter was saying, that's the guy from, Push, from Pushing Daisies. Right. And I was I like, just... no, that's the guy from Explore and Catch Fire. <laughs> Oh God, I forgot about that. I was on Wonderfalls too. He's he's done so many things. A lot of supernatural TV shows. All can catch fire, excuse me. Supernatural and Silicon Valley. Uh, and there was that was the movie The Fall. That that was just heartbreaking. Yeah, he's got a fantastic uh, resume. It's amazing that he hasn't become like a bigger star. Such a compelling actor. Yeah, he's he what had maybe ten minutes of screen time in this movie mm-hmm. where he was and doing anything, it. and he stands out for all of us. He's all he's one of those like lead actors who whose talents are really as a character actor, right? He can mm-hmm. play good or bad. Hero or villain. I guess he just hasn't had that breakout role that really gives him all the attention. Yeah. Well, his character in Halt and Catch Fire is always skating on the edge of being a hero or a villain, the good or the bad. He's a classic anti-hero. He pulls it off so well. I can't say it's, yeah, it, it, I think it was an outstanding performance, yeah. Oh well, man, he came back for the Hobbit. I didn't watch the Hobbit movies. I'm glad we watched these five movies. I gotta say, I was surprised how much I that's, enjoyed them. That's why I don't remember him. He, I didn't watch the Hobbit movies. In the Hobbit movies, he really, really wants this one necklace. You know, it's the whole Tolkien. Uh, the elves are fascinated with the stones of power. Mm. And he keeps fighting with people to try to get that necklace and you're like what the hell is the deal with this stupid necklace like you know like everything in the hobbit movies the motivation is hard to follow (laughs) i see i've seen all of them and i see them over and over because they're on free form every weekend either harry (laughs) potter or hobbit and i if i don't have anything to do i sit down and i'm there for three hours watching it again I love franchises. So <laughs> I guess this is, you know, one of those rare franchises set in the present day. 
right? Yeah. That that ends too. Pretty rare for a franchise to not be open ended. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go watch the Harry Potter movies sometime. I've never seen anything past the first one or two. Oh well, see the third one. That's the trippiest one. Which one is? Which one is that? Which one had Gary Oldman? Was that the third one? He was in several of them. Oh, we could do he a doesn't, series. He doesn't get killed until the fifth one. We do a series on that. I'd be up for that. Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. Totally. Uh, Prisoner of, of As- Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, that's that might be the. Is that the third one? That's the third one, and it's directed by a Mexican director who does oh, like yeah. a lot of surreal dream sequences. I forget which one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think that was like the last Guillermo. one I saw. Not Guillermo del Toro. All right, so let's wrap up. Okay. So, I am I I, I wholeheartedly recommend the Twilight series to people. <laughs> <laughs> And if you know me and know the things that I enjoy most, that's going to stun you. But yes, they were fun. They were, they were very entertaining and I liked them. Yeah. People are ribbing you about it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because <laughs> you're talking about it. My advice though, I is get over your shame. It's okay to like Twilight. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to like Twilight. That should be the name of the podcast. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. The, the, these movies, well, yeah, mostly didn't suck. <laughs> mostly didn't suck. We're, we're not the boring white guy gatekeepers, okay? There we go. Yes. We are going to let gates. Stephanie Myers in. We want her to do more. We'd like another movie, Stephanie. But about the Volturi. Yes. Yes. I want those actors again on my screen. Yeah. And Thank with all that guys. makeup, it doesn't matter how old they get. They... Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Michael, Michael Sheen can get away with a lot. So CGI can take care of the rest. <laughs> Thank It'll you guys. Young Patrick really Stewart fun. all over again. <laughs> This has been fun. That was a good one. That was a good. Did I did I recommend this? Yeah. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. Unlikely from start to finish, but. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see what the big deal was about Batman and Lady Die. (laughs) Their secret origins. Yeah. That's it.